0: Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please, now batting, for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, FanRag Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al
1: Melchior, FanRag Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everybody, this is FanRag Fantasy Baseball, I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, join me a little bit later today. This is going to be a little bit different uh, than usual. Uh, we're going to have Jim Finch from FanRack Sports. And uh, if you've been listening to the show for a while, uh, you're probably accustomed to hearing Jim on the Sunday show occasionally. Uh, but I'm going to have him on today. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one, he was available. And uh, we can give you a little bit of a head start on the two-start pitchers uh, as opposed to uh, getting that info to you on Sunday. But the other thing is there will be no Sunday show this week and not during football season. So I I did announce this on the show yesterday, but in case you missed it, uh, I will be on starting tomorrow and throughout the entire football season uh, right here on Fantasy Sports Radio Network uh, only on Saturdays uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern. So uh, I'll be here tomorrow. Hope you'll Join me, and uh, looking forward to uh, keeping some uh, good uh, good stuff going on uh, on the show here uh, throughout September and throughout uh, the offseason, the postseason as well. Don't want to skip over that. Well, a whole lot to get to today, uh, a whole lot of injuries. One, of course, very, very serious, Michael Conforto, a uh, bunch of other injuries that are fortunately not nearly as serious. We had the big brawl yesterday, Yankees-Tigers, uh, talk a little bit about that, uh, but uh, probably not too much because there's a lot more to get to uh, that is going to be fantasy relevant for you. But uh, yeah, let's start with Michael Conforto. Uh, he uh, did, The initial report was that he dislocated his left shoulder on a swing. Turns out he also has a posterior capsule tear. Uh, surgery is a potential option for Conforto, but uh, don't know what the treatment plan is going to be. Don't know uh, exactly how long he'll be out, but I think it's a pretty safe bet that he will miss. The rest of the 2017 season. Uh, so uh, that's a, that's a rough rough injury. I'm not too familiar with other hitters that have uh, that have had that injury. My my former colleague over at CBS Scott White uh, almost immediately uh, after the news tweeted out a, a list of players that he had found uh, that had, had uh, this injury, uh, and they were all pitchers. But they were all pitchers that really um, were never quite the same again. So that's that's a little disturbing, I have to say. Uh, for Michael Conforto and in terms of his value for for next year, uh, this is the time of year where I'm starting to get a lot of questions about keepers and it's it's a big big shrug for me to be honest. Uh, I, I suppose in a, in a tight uh, a tough dilemma, I'd probably go cautious, be cautious and and go with the, whoever the other player is. but uh, this is gonna be a difficult one to to sort out. Uh, tough, very tough for Michael Conforto and for the Mets. And also uh, from FanRoc Sports, John Heyman recently wrote a piece about uh, Terry Collins and that uh, there are sources around the team who are expecting that Terry Collins is not going to come back and manage the team next year, although uh, nothing has been said said definitively uh, about that. So uh, anyhow, a lot more to get to. Like I said, Ricky Betts, Jose Altuve, Johan Moncada, they all got hurt yesterday give you updates on them. Uh, a lot of interesting performance yesterday, including Yandi Diaz. And uh, pretty extreme player. Kind of be fun to dig into that. Anyways, I got to head to break right now, but I'll tackle
2: all that more on the other side. In 2016, Scott Engel predicted an impressive second season from Melvin Gordon. Jake Seeley recommended Jordan Howard. Bobby McMahon forecasted a JGI breakthrough. George Kurtz saw a big year coming from Matt Ryan. And Joe Galena picked Rashard Matthews as one of his top sleepers. These predictions turn fantasy owners into champions, and the same crew returns this year. With more savvy calls in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package at RotoExperts.com. Don't miss the calls that create winners. Register now and enter free radio at checkout for a special discount.
1: Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to FanRag Nasty Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, as I had said in the previous segment, there is even more injury news to get to beyond the, the big, big story with Michael Conforto. But I also want to uh, interject here with a little bit of closer news, closer developments. Uh, first of all, uh, Sean Doolittle came in in the eighth inning. Yesterday for the Nationals against the Astros, which didn't seem totally out of place because the Astros seven, eight, nine hitters were all coming up. It was Carlos Beltran, who doesn't hit lefties very well. And then uh, it was a couple of lefties. uh, I'm trying to remember now uh, exactly uh, who that was at the bottom of the Astros lineup. Uh, Derek Fisher was the nine hitter, and I'm absolutely blanking right now on on the eight hitter. I apologize for that. But uh, it it made sense. But um, I think it was Brian McCann batting eighth. Anyhow, um, but uh, it turns out that there was at least one other reason why Dusty Baker went that way because then when it was time for the ninth inning and Doolittle did give up a run, but uh, we're still a a two run lead for the Nationals heading in. And it was Brandon Kinsler coming in for the save. And Dusty Baker had uh, mentioned to at least a couple of reporters that he wanted to try to get Brandon Kinsler up from. 28 saves that he brought with him from the twins get him up to an even 30 as he heads into free agency. I don't know that I've ever heard that from a manager before, uh, but uh, as a Sean Doolittle owner, I was not really uh, amused by that. Um, and Kinsler blew the save, so he's going to need at least two more tries to get to 30, but uh, because he blew the save, it actually, was. Uh, came down to Sammy Solis in the eleventh inning to uh, nail down the save for the for the Nationals, who did uh, did emerge victorious in that game. But uh, anyhow, that's one development. Another one uh, talked about on yesterday's show that Trevor Rosenthal is having Tommy John surgery next week. It's been widely presumed that Sung Oh would get the bulk of the saves for the Cardinals. I you know I I made the argument with my special guest Nando Dufino that I thought. When the dust settles, that could be Tyler Lyons. In fact, I expect that it would be Tyler Lyons. But yesterday, there was a save situation. Uh, Lyons came in, pitched the eighth, as he had been doing for Rosenthal, and at times for Sun one And it was Sam Tuibalala who got the save chance. He only made it two batters in, into the appearance because uh, he gave up hits to both of them, and then uh, Cardinals went through four relievers that inning um, and uh, blew, blew the save. Uh, and then there was a piece today on MLB.com in which Mike Matheny says there are no roles in the bullpen. So if you were banking on Oh, if you were like me and you were banking on Tyler Lyons, if you are suddenly intrigued by Sam tui um, it's this is going to be another, this is going to be uh, Angels 2.0, where it could be somebody different uh, just about every time. So just a uh, if you haven't seen, had not seen that piece to give you a heads up that, uh, there's not, it looks like going to be a, a stable closer situation there in St. Louis. Um, and also one more closer note, Jerry's Familia is going to be activated today. And Terry Collins made the comment that, uh, is going to close, but not right away. Said he wants him to pitch in a few games before he's called on to close. So don't look for saves from Familia right away, but also don't look for A.J. Ramos to hold on to that job for a whole lot longer there. So a lot of, at this point in the season, late point in the season, a lot of comings and goings uh, there in Major League bullpens. But let's get back to the, uh, the injury news. Mookie Betts crashed into the outfield wall uh, yesterday, uh, had to be removed from the game. He's been diagnosed with a right knee contusion which is a heck of a lot better than it could have been, and he is considered day-to-day. Jose Altuve also day-to-day after leaving early in that game against the Nationals with neck discomfort. Juan Moncada left uh, his game yesterday with shin splints, and he has been placed on the disabled list. And I saw a quote uh, that uh, Moncada is expecting that 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 would be an issue for him probably rest of season, so maybe this is a long-term DL stint for Moncada not really sure about that but uh, certainly looks like uh, you're not gonna be able to count on Moncada for for much maybe rest of the season even if he does come back and then the Yankees have activated Starlin Castro who had been on uh, rehab uh, been on a rehab stint haven't seen anything yet about Greg Bird I've been following that one the last few days And uh, I'm not sure if that means he's not going to be activated today, but uh, Castro for sure is. I was under the impression that uh, Bird was going to be back first, which is why uh, I'm I'm on the lookout for that news. And I'll probably check back during the breaks and see if I can get anything there because uh, I had seen some reports suggesting that he was, uh, Greg Bird was going to be expected back sometime today. Uh, Max Scherzer initially we thought was going to be back today. Uh, That got pushed back. Now there's a possibility he could start for the Nationals on Sunday. Uh, He is going to uh, throw a bullpen session uh, today. And uh, if that works out well for him, feels good afterwards, then uh, probably could expect to see Max Scherzer take the mound on Sunday. I mentioned uh, earlier that uh, Yankees-Tigers brawl, uh, which was just... Just amazing, in, in all sorts of ways, he has so many different uh, angles to that one. Uh, I think the one that I found interesting was that you had the Romine brothers on on other sides of uh, different sides of that uh, that skirmish. But uh, there are eight ejections in that uh, in that game. Uh, Carlos Correa began his AAA rehab assignment on Thursday. He's going to need at least a week. On that rehab assignment, so I would count him out for next week because best-case scenario, that would bring him back maybe for the weekend, but that's best-case scenario for Carlos Correa. And then Lance McCullers uh, today is going to make his first rehab start at A, and he's going to need to make another start. So um, also rule Lance McCullers out for... Uh, I'm just doing the math here real quick to make sure I'm – yeah, that's right, because if he starts today, that would mean the next one would come no sooner than Wednesday. So do not count on Lance McCullers for Week 22. Already there, folks, Week 22, right around the corner. And speaking of which, uh, very, very soon on the show, within minutes, I'll be joined by Jim Finch from FanRag Sports, and we'll get you ready for Week 22 by going over some of the two-start pitchers – And including, because we're doing this on a a Friday, again, earlier than we usually do that, um, we'll get to take a look at some of the two-star pitchers who went last night and then are going to go again on Tuesday and then most likely again next Sunday get their two starts that way. Uh, So we'll have some fresh data for a handful of next week's two-star pitchers to look at. So looking forward to that segment. But in preparing for today's show, I, I found I came across a couple of interesting things. Like so, you know, I, I go through the scores, I look for the the uh standout performances, you know, who did extremely well, who did extremely bad, uh, you know, try to target players who are, are on some streaks, you know, look for some interesting trends there. And once in a while the, the show notes kind of write themselves. <laughs> that is, I get I get couplings or bundles of players who have things in common that I never would have guessed. And among the standout hitters from Thursday's games, I actually found two couplings that I never would have thought to put together. One of those was Mitch Moreland, who was the sole member of the two Homer club yesterday, number 16 and 17. Mitch Moreland and Chris Taylor. I understand that they may not seem to have much in common and, and certainly positionally. Uh, Chris Taylor plays all over the place. Mitch Moreland, you can use him at first base or utility. But, uh, and again, it was, I didn't set out to compare these two. I just happened to look at them in sequence and saw a lot of similarities in the numbers, in the peripheral numbers. But clearly there's not a lot of similarity in the fantasy numbers. Chris Taylor having an incredible breakout season, Mitch Moreland kind of doing what he typically does, which is offer you some moderate power for your deeper leagues. But um, Moreland went uh, three for four yesterday, like I mentioned, the two home runs. And what I noticed that was similar between him and Chris Taylor, I'm going to get to Taylor's performance uh, a little later on the show, because we're coming up soon on, on our 2 start pitcher segment. But uh, very, very similar launch angles. And very similar batted ball pro- profiles in terms of line drive, ground ball, and, and fly ball percentages. Mitch Moreland, Chris Taylor, very, very similar in those regards. Uh, but Mitch Moreland, he's been the guy who's had the reputation for a long, long time of somebody who, who hits the ball really hard. And I've heard others say, you know, b- baseball writers say and write, you know, this is somebody who could really be a great power hitter. I mean, he's at a point of his career where I don't think we should reasonably expect a big departure from what he's done and what he's done fairly consistently over his career. But he's still he's got a very high hard contact rate and a very high average exit velocity, both considerably higher than Chris Taylor. And yet it's Chris Taylor that's having the spectacular season. So I'm going to break that down quite a bit more later on in the show. Just get you primed for that. But we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to switch gears and take a look at 2 star pitchers for Week 22. So stick around for that. I'll be right back.
2: Ezekiel Elliott. Carl Anthony Towns. Corey Seager.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melfior, and it's that time. It's that time here with me. Our special guest for today from FanRag Sports, Jim Finch, here to talk about uh, two-star pitchers, and also Jim uh, still uh, over at uh, Fantasy Assembly as well. Correct? Yeah. Want to get the whole deal in there, so uh, don't want to miss anything. Uh, Well, uh, thanks for uh, joining me today. Pretty cool to be able to do this a couple days earlier, although that also means there's a little more time for this to, I guess, to get messed up. But, uh, (laughs) you know,
2: there's... uh,
1: I notice that whenever I try and look early, there's always some changes in
0: there. I've tried to put my lineups together and stuff in advance for, you know, my Sunday article. I put them together on Friday. I check Saturday mornings, and I see like eight to ten changes and a couple DL trips. (laughs) And by the time Sunday morning comes around, I'm rewriting like three or four players again. So it's a constantly changing scene. So if you're trying to prepare in advance, you need to be on top of it every day. You can't just set your lineup and walk away for the weekend.
1: That That is awesome advice, Jim. Yeah, it's true. So we, we you know, put a little, I guess, asterisk next to uh, some, of, some of the analysis here. And I want to just for just one second, Jim, um, uh, postpone the, the talk about pitchers, because right before the break, I was uh, talking about or not right before the break, but last segment I was talking about Staron Castro coming back tonight. I thought Greg Bird would be back, too. And I'm seeing mixed things on Twitter about this. But since you're in the tri-state area there, have you what have you heard? about uh Greg Bird's return if anything.
0: Um from what I heard he's supposed to be at least another week away. I wouldn't I wouldn't think he's going to be back this week. I haven't heard anything about him coming back this week. I mean, they've talked about his return, but as far as like the local papers and news go, there's nothing sta- stating that he's going to be back anytime in the next few days, so it's imminent but not immediate. <laughs>
1: OK, just figure, because yeah, I checked that during the break. Uh, Sweeney Murdy uh, from uh, WFAN said maybe tomorrow, but I'm seeing a whole bunch of stuff that contradicts that. So uh, I have to admit, I'm, I'm personally and, and selfishly interested in this. I'm, I'm <laughs> But I'm also asking for a friend. So anyway, uh, let's, let's get on to the pitchers. Uh, and there were three of them who, and I, I kind of uh, uh, primed this a little earlier in the show saying that uh, – Nice thing is, we get to talk about some of these two star pitchers coming fresh off of of their last start. So, three of them uh, pitched last night that are then going to come back on Tuesday. And then also, because their teams don't have breaks on Thursday, we would expect them to pitch on Sunday. Uh, Michael Fulmer, Trevor Bauer, and Luis Perdomo. And I, you know, the first two are clearly going to be on the radar for, you know, pretty much everybody, I think. Perdomo, I think you can make a case, even though. I I certainly have been ready to dismiss him. Uh, I I was big on him for the first month or two of the season, and then he really kind of tailed off. But we'll we'll get to him last, because I I know people are probably much more interested in Fulmer and Bauer. So Fulmer uh, yesterday against the Yankees, uh, of course, some other things in that game. Well, he was actually right in the thick of it, uh, Fulmer, (laughs) in terms of that brawl. Uh, But he did go six innings, uh, gave up uh, five runs, four of which were earned on five hits and three walks with just three strikeouts. Uh, And since coming off the DL, he's pitched 18 innings and only gotten 11 strikeouts, but he's walked eight batters and has a not so trim 4.50 ERA. And then the matchups are not great. He's at Colorado and at home versus the Indians uh, who have nothing else. Pretty good team in general, very bad for getting strikeouts against. Is there any reason to have faith in Michael Fulmer for next week?
0: Um, Well, before I get to Fulmer, one quick note, Yeah. All three of them, Fulmer, Bauer, and Perdomo, all three of their teams are off Thursday and they're pitching on Tuesday. So I don't know if any of them will be a two star pitcher this uh, week. Oh,
1: maybe the issue is double headers then. So let me take a, a quick look here because uh, we certainly I mean, want to get this right. Yeah, Tigers have a Thursday double header. Uh, let's see. Padres have a double header. And okay. I'm going to guess the Indians have a double header. The Indians. Yes, have <laughs> a doubleheader against the Tigers. So uh, okay,
0: I, j- I just wanted to make sure we were we were wasting our time covering these guys. And absolutely, and, and you know what?
1: It's a it's a second asterisk to put there because I mean they could, you know, uh, I mean they, it's very uncertain whether uh, they'll just keep those pitchers on regular rest. Yeah, there are certainly lots of options there. A lot could change, but let's just look at these as possibilities. Possibilities for two.
0: Fulmer, I mean, up until the, the, that short DL trip, I mean, he was basically a must-start pitcher, I mean, with the numbers he's been putting up. But he has been a little shaky since he's come back. I don't know if that's a result of the injury or if it's actually the innings pitch, because right now he's at 158. Last year he went 159 innings, but you got to remember in September he started to tire out and the numbers started to go up from there, so it could be... A similar scenario, but even when the numbers did go up in September last year, they only sat at a four-five-zero, which is still quality start territory. I, I would probably, even though the game is at Colorado, I would probably start him, but I wouldn't depend or hope for the uh, lights out numbers that he put up prior to the DL trip. I figure a quality start, quality start numbers. I think he's more than capable of. I wouldn't expect much better than that, but I don't see him putting up much worse. If he does struggle against Cleveland, then you should worry about him going forward. Colorado games always yeah. a worry, but the Cleveland game, I think that should be the better of the two. All
1: right, yeah, and I mentioned the the strikeout potential being limited against the Indians, but in a two start week, that's uh, that's something I don't worry as much about. But let's get let's get on to uh, Trevor Bauer, who had his worst start in a long time yesterday. Uh, granted, against the Red Sox, so. Kind of a tough uh, tough matchup there. Uh, Bauer went five in the third, gave up four runs on seven hits, three walks, but he did get 8K, so that's been a constant for him. But that was the first time in six starts that he did not post uh, a quality start. He's got the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. He's got the Tigers at Comerica Park. Uh, What do you think about Bauer?
0: I actually like Bauer. I'm not too worried about the – have Boston start, because he had to start against Boston earlier in the month, and he put up a quality start there, three runs over 6.2 innings. And look at the rest of the starts around there. I mean, two runs, 6.1 innings against Kansas City, one run, seven innings against Colorado, one run, seven innings against the Yankees, one run, eight innings against the Angels. I mean, this guy has been on a roll. So one bad game against a team like Boston, I'm not going to let that sway me in any way from putting Bauer in my lineup. I mean, the guy's just been good. The Yankees, majority of their lineup has been slumping. Yeah, they have Castro coming back, but overall, they haven't really been much of a threat. I'm not too worried about the Yankee Stadium game or the matchup overall, so I would I would definitely start him, and he could be out there on waivers for some people.
1: All right, well, uh, yeah, if that's the case, yeah, I, I do think he would be one of your, your best waiver options, maybe the best. And then Luis Perdomo definitely out there in a lot of leagues. Uh, not a bad start against the Cardinals. I mean, only two strikeouts, but if you're starting Perdomo, you're not really expecting strikeouts. Uh, but he went six innings, gave up just two runs on seven hits and a couple of walks. And he's now gone six innings or more in seven consecutive starts. So for somebody going into a two-start week, that alone I think is encouraging. Because like I say, I don't worry about strikeouts because they can double pitcher can double them up. Um, he does, however, over those, that string of seven straight starts have a four, six, four ERA, but he also has a 64% strand rate, which for Perdomo who has had low strand rates for him, that's especially low. So he's actually pitched pretty well lately. Do you think it's good enough, uh, for him with two starts and hang on because I actually forgot to write down, uh, that's, uh, yeah, I, I knew there, there was at least one good matchup here. Uh, he gets the giants at home. So that's that's an enticement right there. But then he also gets the Dodgers, but at home. So is that enough uh, to start Perdomo?
0: It's funny because he actually has the higher ERA at home, but given the role that he's on, I'm sort of willing to dismiss that somewhat. It's over five, but I can see that coming down to the quality start range. Giants, that's that's basically a no-brainer. That's like playing <laughs> that's like playing your own team. If you're San Diego and you're playing the San Diego Padres, yeah, you're going to start your you're going to start your pitcher. So the Giants game's easy an easy start. Dodgers, they are they've been good, but while they've been hitting the ball pretty well, they haven't been scoring or hitting as many home runs lately. So I'm more inclined to just lean toward Perdomo in this one. Even though the Dodgers are one of the top teams, they haven't been hitting like one of the top teams lately, or at least scoring like one of the top teams. So, I, I would probably start, start him in this one.
1: All I'm right, feeling yeah, pretty comfortable I, with him. I, I like him. I'm definitely going to look for him on waivers. Uh, all right, well, uh, we're going to have to go a little bit uh, lightning roundish here because there are four other pitchers I'd like to talk about. I think we can get through them pretty quickly. Uh, Bob, I'm going to lump three together because. Uh, they're, all, they're not all necessarily available, but I think they're all sort of borderline calls for people. Mark Leiter Jr. with a good start last time out. Uh, he's got the Braves uh, at home, the Marlins in Miami. And then you got the two Giants, Jeff Samarja and Matt Moore. Matt Moore pitching much better lately. And they've got the Padres. So you could say the same thing what you said about Perdomo in reverse. And then they've got the Cardinals uh, at home. Uh, so good good venues in both starts. So Leiter, Samarja, and Moore, is there any one of the three you wouldn't start this coming week?
0: Um, Probably Samarja, just because Moore's got the advantage with the second game against the Cardinals because he's a lefty, and Cardinals have been, while they're hot now, they've been somewhat weak against lefties. And Samarja, he, he just, uh, he's just kind of streaky for me right now. Well, not right now, basically for the entire season. And Cardinals are tougher on right-handers. The only advantage he has is he'll put up a decent whip and give you more strikeouts, but overall, I think Moore would have a better chance than Samarja as far as putting up the better overall numbers. Lighter's the one I would probably look for on waivers. I mean, he's, he's just been average, but so is the Braves this year, and... Atlanta and Miami both have been basically averaged in the month of August, and Lighter this year, he's actually turned things around with his uh, ground ball rate. He's improved mm-hmm. it from like the 40% range up to the 50% range, which is going to help him greatly in the future, and if you had to yeah. stream one out of the three of them, I'd go with lighter.
1: Alright, well, uh, good stuff there. Well, we are out of time, Jim, so thank you very much, and uh, uh, hopefully uh, this all holds uh, till till Sunday or Monday when we make our, our lineup. So uh, thanks again, Jim. Have a good day. Thanks, Al. All right, folks, so stick around. i uh, got a lot more to come, so we'll uh, be right back just after this break.
2: Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand?
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And want to thank once again Jim Finch for stopping by, helping us out with uh, two-star pitchers. Again, with a uh, little bit of a caveat there that uh, it's just Friday. But uh, some good information there, I think, and uh, certainly uh, check back on that tomorrow. Uh, anyway, before we get on to uh, some more performance breakdowns and analysis, Just a reminder that you can now take the world's premier 24 seven fantasy sports radio network with you wherever you go. How do you do it? You just download the fantasy sports radio app from the iTunes store or on Google play and listen for free anytime or anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincotta on the treadmill or Greg Sussman on the subway or the King Scott Engel on the couch or Jake Seeley. When you're jogging, we'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the fantasy sports radio app for free right now in the iTunes store or on Google play and take the experts with you. Uh, Let me catch you up on a couple of things as well. uh, In terms of weather transactions, lineups Uh, mentioned before, Yoan Moncada going on the DL with those shin splints, taking his place on the white Sox 25 men roster is Matt Davidson. So he's been activated. So uh, be a place for him to play now that he is back. Red Sox lineup is out. And guess what? Mookie Betts is in it. Mookie Betts. Uh, so he crashed the wall yesterday, suffered that knee contusion, but he is back uh, batting third and, of course, in right field for, uh, for your Red Sox. And then uh, the Yankees lineup is out. And, yes, Starlin Castro is in that as well, uh, facing the lefty Ariel Miranda. You got the lefty CC Sabathia going for the Yankees. Uh, So Sterling Castro uh, batting sixth for the Yankees. And just checking a few other lineups in, but uh, nothing of great import there. Um, Scott Schebler in left field for the Reds. And I actually want to check, uh, because I think I saw something about Jesse Winker going on the DL. I will double check that for you. Uh, And I'm going to talk about Winker uh, shortly anyway, because as I mentioned early in the show. I found some kind of interesting couplings with um players that I that are very similar statistically, profile very similar, but uh, I wouldn't have necessarily expected that uh to be the case. So that's going to be coming up, but like I said, I've got also some uh weather for you to uh, to get to and this is going to be really really short because uh Get this real quick here the only game that's got any kind of real chance for uh, a precipitation related delay is of course the Mets and the Nationals because everything has just really gone wrong for the Mets lately uh, and it doesn't look bad actually 22% chance of precipitation at game time and then decreases very rapidly after that so maybe just a delay at the start uh, would be your worst case scenario I think Nothing much to worry about there, and certainly not not much to worry about elsewhere. And my memory was correct: uh, Jesse Winker on the DL, uh, and Philip Irvin, who just got sent down a couple of days ago, back up uh, along with Chad Wallach. So uh, Winker, uh, let's see, it appears to be a yes, a left hip strain flexor uh, for Jesse Winker. I'm going to talk about him anyway later on. I don't know how long he'll be out. I would think that would be. Uh, more time for Shevler and for Irvin, though. All right, well, let's uh, get back to where I left off before Jim Finch joined me on the show here, talking about Mitch Moreland and Chris Taylor, uh, sort of the odd couple here and the uh, hitter wrap-up from, uh, from, from Thursday's games. Moreland, a three-for-four game with uh, two home runs. Chris Taylor went three-for-five. We're kind of used to seeing that. Hit his 31st double. He also walked. And he ranks 13th. And WOBA, which, as you know, if you're a regular listener, regular listener is my favorite go-to kind of cover-all uh, metric for for measuring offensive performance. Uh, so, you know, he's uh, that that kind of summarizes for you what you probably already suspected, which is he's just been one of the most productive hitters, not just at any of his many positions that he's eligible to play in fantasy, but just you know for all hitters. Eight, uh, number 13, so, you know, top 15 hitter uh, for all of baseball. Uh, and yet, Moreland, who just has, you know, he has good but not outstanding fantasy numbers, uh, very, very similar profile in a lot of ways in terms of the the ground ball rate, the fly ball rate, uh, the launch angles are very similar. That was the first comparison that kind of tipped me off. Because, and the, the reason I looked at that was because, as I, I mentioned earlier in the show, Moreland has long had this reputation as somebody who makes tremendously hard contact and yet has never really put up monster numbers. He's certainly gone on big power binges for, for periods of time. But he's never had big full-season full, full season power numbers. And so I thought, okay, if he's making really hard contact, he must not be elevating much. But he's elevating – I mean, he doesn't really – but he's elevating at about the same angle on average that Chris Taylor does. So I don't know. that's that's all I've got really. <laughs> it's just that the comparison. I don't have a conclusion, but there's obviously some reason. and maybe the reason is that Taylor's overperforming. I mean, for one thing, I don't really buy the the batting average on balls and play for Taylor, uh, which is right around 400. So I don't really buy into him as a top 15, top 20 hitter. I think he's very good. I think he's probably much more valuable in fantasy than Mitch Moreland is. And he does he has he has the steals, so that alone gives him an edge. But I think even if you discounted that category, I think Chris Taylor is probably at this point a, a much better hitter than Mitch Moreland. I just have to do more research to figure out how and why. So With that said, uh, sticking with the Dodgers for a moment here, Curtis Granderson did it again. He homered. That's now his 22nd home run on the season. He reached four times because the other three times he reached, he walked. And Curtis Granderson doing his very best three true outcomes uh, performance lately. And this really goes back to slightly before the trade to the Dodgers. Over his last 10 games, Granderson's 9 for 39. So not a great batting average. Roughly one out of every four at-bats is a hit. Nine hits, six are home runs. One's a double, two are singles. So (laughs) that's definitely out of whack. And then in those 39 at-bats, he has struck out 12 times. He's also walked nine times. So if you're in an OBP league, this is all fantastic. If you're in a more standard league batting average, it's a bit of a frustration because you're glad to have the home run power from Granderson, but he's he's not really helping you with batting average, and he's he's striking out quite a bit. Uh, so when when the power streak comes to an end, you're you're not really going to be left with a whole lot really, uh, which I guess is the moral to the story. So enjoy enjoy the streak while it lasts. Ride ride the hot hand. Uh, let's get to Yandy Diaz. He had perhaps the, the biggest standout performance on Thursday, going four for four with a walk. Uh, two of those four hits were doubles, just his second and third of the season. And his first triple of the season, this against the Red Sox. And Diaz, I mean, pretty much the bulk of all of his power this season came last night against against the Red Sox. Uh, he has a 60% ground ball rate. And if you're an aficionado of batted ball rates, you might already have a really good idea um, <laughs> where where I might be going with the comparison here with another player that had a big performance last night. But uh, 60% ground ball rate. But this is amazing. I would have had no idea about this. Yandy Diaz leads all major leaguers who have put 30 balls in play well, actually thirty hit balls. So I'm not even talking about you know excluding home runs. Thirty hit balls leads all major leaguers in exit velocity on ground balls, eighty-nine point nine miles per hour. And he actually leads it by I think about half a mile an hour, which is a pretty decent margin. So that's pretty wild. And the reason I said I was gonna get to Jesse Winker, and this is not actually the comparison that I was I'm leading up to, but Jesse Winker is second in those rankings. Uh, and Winker also has been hitting a lot of ground balls, much more so really than he did in the minors. But he was not really a big power hitter in the minors. So, you know, my question is, if Jesse Winker, who again just went on the DL, could have hit four runs already in a very, very limited amount of time, why couldn't Yandy Diaz? I'm not sure, because um, there's there's some similarity there. But another player you might be reminded of is Christian Yelich because he is one of a very small number of players who has had, now not the last two seasons, although he's not been far off, but over much of his career has hit ground ball, ground ball rates above 60%. Uh, Yelich a little below that this season. But he went three for four yesterday against the Phillies, hit his 15th home run of the season and his 30th double. And he now is the 23rd ranking outfielder in rotisserie value and 14th ranked outfielder in CBS uh, standard points. So he's basically, if he's behind last season, it's by a shade. It's by a hair. Uh, the power has been there pretty much in the, the exact same quantities as it was last year. He's getting on base. batting average is right around there. Um, so a lot of people had some real doubts about Christian Yelich following up last season's performance. He is doing it. Anyway, uh, more to come. More hitters, more pitchers, more analysis. So stick around. Return right after this brief timeout.
2: packed with tons of in-depth insights from the industry's top experts we get you fully prepared for a championship campaign with a deluxe draft package that includes projections strategy articles sleepers busts a cheat sheet generator and so much more and you're guaranteed additional access throughout the regular season so put your gloves on now even while it's hot outside and get into mid-season form Go to RotoExperts.com and register for the 2017 Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Enter code FREERADIO at checkout for a very special discount.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And before we get back to a little bit more analysis of some of Thursday's performances, a couple of notes. Uh, Francisco Cervelli has just been uh, reinstated from the 10-day disabled list. I do not have a Pirates lineup yet, though. Uh, I do have a Mariners lineup, as I mentioned before. They're going up against the Yankees and CC Sabathia. Uh, no Robinson Cano, not back yet in the Mariners lineup. So you got Taylor Motter over at second base batting ninth. All right, well, let me get back to some of yesterday's performances because there are a few key ones that uh, I definitely want to make a point of getting to here. And one is Manny Margot with uh, another big game. He has been very hot he went uh, three for four with the walk. He doubled for the 15th time this season, and that improved his second half numbers to a 289 batting average, 325 on base percentage, and 507 slugging. He only has two steals, so that's the one part of his performance that's been uh, trending downward for him. And this it's, it's a bit of an inversion, maybe, of what a lot of us expected from Margot, uh, which was more steals, but not nearly as much power. But in the second half, he's hit ground balls at just a 31% rate. He has been the anti-Yandy uh, Diaz or if you prefer Christian Yelich, or if you prefer Jesse Winker. Not a lot of ground balls. Uh, 48% ground balls in the first half for contrast. So big, big change there for Margot. Uh, I'm not sure I trust it, though. I, I do think that there was more power to come than what he showed in the first half. You know, he had uh, a few homers early on this season, uh, but then really uh, had a power outage. So I think that the the happy medium is probably where Margot lands. Uh, but uh, it's certainly an option worth looking at in 12-team mixed leagues. And Corey Dickerson may be the beginning of a turnaround for him. He had his 24th home run yesterday against the Blue Jays. Uh, Over his last three games, he's homered twice. He's five for 11. And the the key thing for me, he's only struck out one time uh, because I've said repeatedly on this show, if Corey Dickerson could just scale back that strikeout rate, which has grown uh, in recent weeks and months, uh, then we could see something more like what we saw from him earlier in the season. So only three games doesn't mean a whole lot, but a turnaround does have to start someplace. So maybe this is it. Uh, In terms of the pitching performances, of course, went over a few of those earlier in the show with Jim Finch, but uh, some others worth noting, of course, uh, Martin Perez, really uh, the best pitching performance last night. Seven scoreless innings against the Angels. Uh, He did not walk anybody. He only struck out three, but that's pretty much par for the course for Martin Perez. Seven hits over his last four starts, a 3.00 ERA. Only four walks in 27 innings. Only 14 strikeouts. But really, having a second half that's kind of like the first half that we saw from Yvonne Nova. I mean, he is just not walking a whole lot of batters. He's throwing strikes at, at a very high rate, 67%. And he leads the major leagues in the second half with a 40.6% swing rate on pitches that are outside the strike zone. Leads the majors. And he got the the uh, The Angels to swing at more pitches outside the strike zone last night than he got them to take. That's amazing. And the Angels are one of the most selected teams in the majors. So Martin Perez, uh, the overall numbers still don't look great. He's definitely not somebody to count on for strikeouts, but uh, definitely, at least in two start weeks, I think very relevant all of a sudden, as long as he can keep this up. And Hunjin Ryu, just to wrap things up, Another good start for him. He's gone nine straight uh, starts in a row where he's not given up three runs. Only gave up one run in six innings uh, last night. So uh, look for him if he's still out there on waivers. Anyhow, that's going to wrap up the show. And it's also going to wrap up uh, the five-day-a-week schedule uh, that I've had much of the season. So I will be back tomorrow, though. I'll be back every Saturday from here on out. So uh, hope to see you then. Stay tuned for On Target, and have a good one.